Hey, Fedheads, welcome back to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. Uh, Dennis and Tripp here. We're live on Facebook, broadcasts around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network, available as a podcast or uh, on YouTube uh, after, you know, about 24 hours after the fact. So we're here tonight for Sharing Our Pairings. We're going to be smoking the Camacho Nicaraguan Barrel Aged. Um, Dennis, what do you think of these? Have you smoked these yet? I've smoked a couple of them, but I want to hear your opinion. You know, I had a couple of these. I really like them. They're easy to smoke. For me, I can pick them up and just go with it. No mm. frills, easy smoke. I feel like they've got um, a little more balance and a little more elegance, I guess. Elegance is the word I like to use for a little more balanced, a little less strength than the American Barrel Aged. So, of course, this is the Nicaraguan Barrel Aged. I'll hold it up for the camera there. My ash just fell off right into my lap. And the I love nice the band. band. It's Very like they've nice. Branded in the last few years, and I think the the new Camacho bands are a little shouty, like the regular lines. But these ones, I like how they. Oh man, I can't keep it in focus. They've got some information about the blend there, and they've kind of got a bunch of buzzwords, peak performance, about the power band process, um, which, to my understanding, is basically just the entubado process. Um, they just apparently don't do that at all in Honduras. That's it's just not part of what they learn, not part of pretty much what anybody does. Um, at least that's my understanding. Um, I'd love to ask somebody at Camacho a little more about that because I feel like they announced the power band process and nobody knew exactly what it was and they just kind of kept going with it. So we're we're both smoking the Toro which is a 6x50, comes in boxes of 20. It's about 11 bucks for the Toro. Um, the wrapper on this is Ecuadorian Habano. The binder is Mexican, but they don't specify whether it's Mexican San Andreas or um, what specific strain it is. But I'm guessing that it's probably San Andreas. I mean, typically when it's Mexican, that's what it is. Uh, and then the fillers are a Peloto Cubano from Dominican Republic. Corojo Lajero from Honduras. And then the thing that makes this special is the last filler leaves are barrel age Esteli Corojo. So it's Esteli grown Corojo. Um, then they take that and they age it in Florida Cana 25 barrels. So they're barrels that held rum for 25 years, but before that they held bourbon for who knows how long I would guess four years, but who knows? Um, and at Florida Kanya, so the thing that we always talk about barrel age stuff, and I don't think that we talk enough about the fact that the reason bourbon aging is incredibly popular isn't only because it's delicious. It's because after you've used a bourbon barrel, you can't put bourbon in it again, or it's not bourbon. You're not allowed to call it bourbon um, unless it's only aged in a new charred oak barrel. So... I mean, bourbon barrels for bourbon distilleries are basically disposable. Some of them age other products in that. Some of them will age a rye uh, or some other type of spirit. And for the most part, they can't reuse them. I mean, if you're a distiller that's only making bourbon, you're going to spend more money trying to figure out what to do with those barrels than just selling them yeah. uh, for about what you paid for them or probably less. And then companies like this buy those barrels so that they can use them to impart better flavors on their stuff. So that's why we've got barrel-aged cigars, barrel-aged beers, barrel-aged scotches are very frequently barrel-aged. There's barrel-aged wines. 
Yeah. Um, I, mean, I just recently had a, uh, a barrel-aged rum, uh, rum barrel-aged wine, red wine from Australia that was really interesting. I bet that would be really good. Um, so we're, we're, of course, not here just to talk about the, uh, the cigar. Actually, before we get into that, I'm going to see if we have any audience uh, interactions yet. We appreciate you guys out there watching live on Facebook. Um, if you're not watching live, feel free to drop a comment on the YouTubes. Uh, send me an email, trip at cigarfederation.com if you've got any comments for the podcast. Um, we've got a couple different ways for you guys to watch or listen. So we want you to, to reach out. Let us know what you think. Questions and, are always good. Yeah, exactly. Man, they make it. Um... Oh, well, so Gabi Coffee, he is from Honduras, it looks like. He says all they do is entubado. Um, so that's what I had read somewhere about the uh, the Camacho power band. So maybe that's not true. Um, I'm just not sure what power band is exactly. I don't know what it could be that um, differentiates it enough from other rolling methods for them to patent a name for it. It's, it's that, you know, it's, it's that secret sauce that makes it happen. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to get into my first pairing here. Um, my first pairing is something that I hope goes well with the cigar. I feel like this cigar has a little too much sugar to go with this pairing, but it's it's too perfect not to pair. Uh, and this is the Florida Cana 12, which I think is the best Florida Cana out there. Um, maybe not best, but it's my favorite um, for a couple of reasons. And it, come on, focus, buddy. And look at that uh, color, too. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Well, it doesn't want to focus, but it's probably because it's seeing the background through the rum. Um, so this is my favorite expression i guess you could call it from florida Kanya. um i really like the seven that's what got me into drinking florida Kanya. and the i feel like the seven has this really unique bourbon quality to it that you don't get in most rums uh i don't know what they do differently but somehow they seem to get more of that bourbon uh punch than most rums that are aged in bourbon barrels then the 12 is just kind of a little smoother and more um, complex. The 18 and 25 are both fantastic, but I think it loses too much of that bourbon character, and it's 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 pulling out a little too much character from the whiskey or from the rum rather. I almost call it whiskey. Um, so this is Florida Cana 12. Florida Cana is of course uh, the major distillery. I don't even know if there are other distilleries in Nicaragua. I haven't heard of any other Nicaraguan rums that are competing with it. Um, they were established in 1937, or rather, they introduced the Florida Cana in 1937. They were producing something before that, but I'm, I wasn't able to find out what. And I finally looked it up on a map. They are in Chichigalpa, which is about 100 miles uh, southwest of Esteli, uh, which means it's about probably 90 miles northwest of uh, Managua, if that gives you an idea. Uh, so they, they distill sugarcane five times and then age it in ex bourbon barrels so this one is of course 12 years the cigar we're smoking um is aged in the 25 year old barrels which is also what a couple other cigars are are aged in i mean those are um those barrels aren't too hard to come come by because just like uh bourbon they don't only use the barrels once but they're still they have a lifespan and they can't use them until they fall apart they use them until they're not imparting the flavors they want, and then they have to figure out something to do with all these, you know, 80-pound barrels. And an interesting thing that I read, there's actually two interesting facts that I didn't know about Florida Cana. One 
it's kosher. They actually go ah, through okay. the process of getting it approved as kosher, which I, I didn't expect that at all in Nicaragua. Actually, uh, you know what? Nicaragua. There is a very large Jewish community, uh, an Orthodox Jewish community in Nicaragua, believe it or not. Oh. And, and that was really surprising to me. But hey, that's awesome. Very cool. And the other interesting fact, which I think says a lot about how good this rum is, is Florida Cana as a distillery through the whole line of Florida Cana rums. They have won, since the year 2000, they have won more medals than any other rum, than any other rum brand, at least, um, which is really impressive. I, I didn't see an exact number anywhere on their website or anything, uh, but in the last 17 years, it's won more awards than any other rum on the planet, um, which I think I think says a lot about it. it speaks volumes, absolutely. So and, I'm gonna you know, it's, it, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it, it's funny that Florida Cana... Um, is is your first pairing for me? Florida Cana was my first rum that I actually liked. I was never a rum guy. Yes, me too. Um, I I hadn't really had good rum before, uh, so I'll say that. But I had had like you know never never something that I would call good anymore. Still stuff that I would call bad. Uh, like I think I had some Havana Club Three when I was on vacation once, and I'd had Bacardi and stuff like that a handful of times. But I'd never had like. Uh, your Ronzacapas or any kind of oh, yeah. rum that's intended for sipping like this. So Florida Cano was my first way to exploring that. And I still, in my opinion, it's still the best um, because it's got that, it's got more bourbon character than most, uh, but then it's also got like this rough spicy edge to it. Oh yeah. And that's, I think that's part of the draw to it. It, it really has so much complexity to it. And it was my first rum and man, I fell in love and I looked at rum completely differently after that point. Now, that was actually my first time in Nicaragua when I had it. Yeah, me too. I, I guess probably on actually, the same trip, right? Yeah, but actually I misspoke. So <laughs> I had a uh, – so that trip I had a six-hour layover in the Houston airport. And so I went to the Papadou's because it was the closest to my yeah. gate, <laughs> um, which if you've ever had – if you've ever been to Nicaragua and had a layover in Houston, you've probably been to Papadou's. That's been my experience. Um, every, everyone that I've ever had a layover with on the way to Nicaragua, I've gotten off the plane and they're like, all right, I'm at Papadou's, come find me. Um, but I sat down at Papadou's and then they had Florida Cana. So I was drinking Florida Cana for like <laughs> six hours before we even got there. <laughs> That's awesome. So my first pairing of the night is typical of my kind of beer style, right? I, I, I love IPAs. I have to bring an IPA every time. Uh, this one is kind of cool. I've, I've been drinking it steadily for probably like the last two weeks. Um, I bought a couple of cans. So it's Hot Bucks Ooh, IPA yeah. from Oscar Blues, and it's very cool. Oscar Blues, if you don't know, is from Colorado. And Hot Bucks is a um, – they're a coffee roaster company from Denver, from the Denver area. And basically what they did with this IPA is they took it and they added some cold brew to it from Hot Box. And it's actually – it doesn't look like what you would expect – so, you know, it looks like a typical IPA, comes in at 7.2%, but it has a really nice coffee edge to it that doesn't take away from the from the IPA kind of hoppiness of it. I, I just realized that I had it on the wrong screen capture, so everybody who's been looking at my face this whole time, sorry for cutting you out there, Dennis. You, oh. <laughs> uh, Nobody got to see your face for 13 glorious minutes. But oh, back to IPAs. I, uh, I don't remember if it was on the show or if I was just talking to somebody about it because I talk about beer a lot um, on the show and off the show. And I think coffee goes so well with IPAs because you have that like resinous bitterness from 
from hops um that's got like that floral herbal kind of flavor and then you've got the bitterness from coffee that's more of an earthy dark um i don't know almost sour kind of bitterness like kind of acidic that you don't get in beer and so i feel like those flavors really complement each other and they amp up the bitterness without having to add more hops um and add more kind of layers to the complexity oh, definitely. of the bitterness Definitely. It, it really expands the flavor of the IPA. And it's almost like uh, recently on a couple, maybe a couple of shows ago, I had an IPA that had coffee and lemon. And that was such a great combo. You know, coffee and lemon is pretty, pretty common in Italy. If you go to Italy, you'll have an espresso oh, yeah. with a lemon wedge or, or, or just the rind. And putting all those flavors together is really cool. And it opens up the flavor of the IPA. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. So I'm going to talk about my my Florida Kanye experience a little bit before we have to get to our first break. I'm so, so on the nose. <laughs> oh man! I, and I I actually sent my wife to buy it. She was on the the only shop that carries it because as I've talked about before, I'm in Oregon. We have state controlled liquor, which um you know however you feel about the state controlling liquor sales is irrelevant. But the one big advantage that it has is there's a website where we can find out if anybody in the state has it like if it's a, a liquor that is carried by the state of oregon um or if specific stores have it so i i looked for florida kanye 12 and i pinpointed exactly which store had it and luckily it was it's right near my kids preschool so uh on the way to pick up my kids from preschool i sent my wife on a little side mission to pick me up a bottle of florida kanye uh and it i mean it i have a hard time paying for it since I've seen the prices in Nicaragua. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, of course, of course. in Nicaragua, the 12, I believe is, I think it's $20. I know the, the seven it's is probably usually like 18 10. to 20. The seven is usually 10 to 15 or 10 to 12. Um, so I think this is like somewhere around the 20 range. And then the 18 is like 25 or 30 bucks. It's yeah, super, it's super cool. cheap. And I paid $47 for this at home. Wow. Uh, okay. So it's like, uh, I could have bought two bottles, but <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't in Nicaragua, so I couldn't have, uh, hey, just, at least you can get it. Cause yeah, in my parts, we can't get it anywhere. The, the frugal in me just has a hard time doing that. Um, so on the nose, let me give it a little smell. There's a lot of cinnamon in this. I get a ton of cinnamon and a little vanilla, and you kind of get that oakiness from the bourbon. And then on the palate, if you've never had Florida Cana, it's kind of a dry rum. It's real. It's nowhere near as sweet as most rums are. Um, and then it's got like again the cinnamon, the vanilla, and the you can really taste the oak and the kind of the char from the bourbon barrels. And it's got a surprisingly clean finish, like. It doesn't taste, it tastes like a full-bodied whiskey kind of flavor, um, but it's a very, like, medium-bodied rum. Oh, man, uh, it's so dangerously smooth. Yeah, it's dangerously smooth. And it does, I think it is a little sweet for this uh, cigar, because the cigar is already fairly sweet with that Corojo, and uh, the barrel aging, I think, adds probably a little bit of extra sweetness. So I'm not so sure about the pairing. I think they're better separate than they are together how's your first pairing before we get into our break i'm digging it you know what it's going back to the beginning of the show when you start talking about the cigar it it really is not what you would expect when you talk about barrel aged anything you would expect it to be really burly in your face kind of sharp and this cigar is not that but that's a good thing it's a really really good thing it's kind of well-rounded 
and I think it, it fits really well with this IPA, especially the coffee flavors. Awesome. Um, I've got an IPA coming up a little bit later, so I'm excited oh, nice. to, to okay. see how it goes with that one uh, because I'm not sure how that one's going to be. But we will be right back after a quick message from our sponsors. Brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated Heritage featuring Rosado, Ecuador, and Habana wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvania, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand-rolled Nicaragua and available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. All right, and we're back. Um, before we get into our second pairing, I want to get through some of the audience comments and questions. Chico Ray, uh, very a good friend of the show, very frequent watcher, and he comments a lot, which we love. Uh, he wants to know if we've had the Florida Kanye 25. I have. Um, yes. I had it at uh, Puro Sabor. Somebody who I won't mention was nice enough to purchase a bottle for the table. And <laughs> I think I know who that is. <laughs> it's really good. But my problem is, like I said, the frugal in me, I have a hard time paying for something that doesn't give me the dollar amount worth of experience. Um, like the the Florida Kanye 25, I, I'm not sure how much, I think it's like 100 bucks maybe in Nicaragua. I don't remember how much it was at the duty-free shop. Um, but it's significantly more than the 12 and the 18. And like I said, I feel like, it's it's smooth, it's rich, it's got so much complexity, but it loses some of the punchiness that I love so much about Florida Kanye. Um, to me, it's kind of like Lafroig, where I was just gonna say, yeah, like the Lafroig eighteen is amazing, but it is the ten is the, just wonderful. The ten or the triple wood or the yeah. uh, what's the other one? The double, um, the one with the smaller oh. cap. Quarter cask. Um, quarter cask, yeah. The quarter cask, the 10, or the triple wood, I would take any day over the 18 because they've got more of that, like, peat punchiness that is what draws me to Lefroy in the first place. Um, and, again, I could see having all of them in my collection. I just, um, I would be reaching for the, like, if, if I had all four versions of Florida Kanya, I would reach for 12 the most because it's it's simply the one that hits my palate just right and I enjoy it the most. Uh Chico Ray also just said, what's up, guys? What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? Gabby Coffee says, only one owned by Carlos Payas. So he's talking about the uh, Florida Kanye distillery. We actually, so uh, again at Puro Sabor, we went on a boat trip, like a, kind of a boat tour of Lake Nicaragua. And we went by the Payas mansion that is on a, one of the little 300 private islands there, which was really cool to see. Uh, it was a sweet looking house and a really interesting thing about all these really like really really nice houses that are on these islands is like even if the homeowners aren't there they have a little a small house that's off the side of the island where their like housekeeper their gardener and stuff like that live so there's always somebody there so because i mean living on an island your neighbors probably wouldn't notice if somebody drove a boat up in the middle of the night and started yep. taking all your stuff. Um, Don't forget security too, right? They have a lot of yeah. private security. Yeah. Like and John I mean, McAfee they, level security. I'm sure they had a security <laughs> guard uh, on the premises as well. The, I mean, maybe the gardener doubles as the security guard or something like that. But um, uh, 
private security is very big in Nicaragua because it's it's the safest place in Central America, but it's it's not as safe as most parts of the U.S. Yes, <laughs> that is very true. Um, and I'm going to I feel kind of not ready to move on because I love Florida Cana so much, but I want to find out how these other drinks go with this cigar. So I got to first make sure my cigar doesn't go out, kind of refresh my my palate on the cigar a little bit. And I feel like this cigar has, it has a lot of that burnt sugar kind of like caramel kind of flavor. There's a little bit of black pepper. And then I get like a coffee espresso kind of bitterness on the finish. Like it feels like I just finished drinking a cappuccino, like that creamy kind of bitter finish. Maybe that's just me. You yeah, don't no, seem I'll, to experience it. No, no, no. I, I was going to say for me, it is similar to that. So I'm getting a lot of toffee kind of flavors out of it. Yeah, and so it's that, kind of in that same vein that that like rich toffee flavor. It doesn't yeah. linger, but it's really noticeable, and it's I like it a lot. Awesome. Um, so for my second pairing is an old friend of the show. Oh. Fourteen. Uh, if you know me, this is about my favorite whiskey or my favorite scotch, at least. Um, it competes with Lafroig because they're very different, um, but I love both of them. So the Oban. 14 is uh oban only has one regular release age statement which is the 14 they've they've had 18s and i think they had like a 23 it was an odd year um that they have released but this is the only one i can get in my area and then they've also got a couple of no age statement versions that are available which i haven't tried yet and i need to badly maybe when i finish this bottle which uh won't be too far oh, in the you're future getting there. Yep. Uh, maybe when I finish this bottle, I'll pick up one of their no age statement expressions. Uh, so the distilleries on the west coast of the Highlands and a really interesting thing is the Oban distillery was founded in 1794, um, which was kind of the moment they broke ground on the town of Oban because there wasn't a town there. They started building a distillery and then they had to build houses for people to live in that work there. And then it turned into a town. Um but they're on the the western coast kind of of the highlands. Not quite on the coast, but very close to the coast. Um, actually, no, I, I think I misspoke. I think they are on the coast um, because they've got the uh, the Little Bay edition, which indicates that they've got a – that they're on the coast. And Jose wants to know if this is a peaty scotch. I'm getting there. Um, they I'm going to talk about the distillery before I talk about the scotch. So they make uh, 670,000 liters a year, which is only 177,000 gallons, which is not a lot. And they've only got two stills. Um, and they don't even have, they don't even have a website. Uh, they're owned yeah. by Diageo, but they're still a very old school kind of distillery. And the thing that I love about Oban Jose is it's, it's peated, but it's, it's not the same intensity as, as really any of the peated Isla scotches. Um, <clears throat> they're, they do use peated malt, uh, which is an, another interesting thing is they have it peated to, they have it peated to their uh, specifications, which a lot of distilleries in Scotland actually just buy malted barley at whatever peat level they buy light, medium or heavy. Um, Oban has, they don't, uh, roast it themselves or uh, smoke it themselves, but they do specify the exact uh, amount of peat that they want, apparently. And so, an interesting thing about this, and I'll I will get to tasting it. Um, but the things that I know about it, it's it's got some of that peat, 
but it's it's not hitting you over the head with it like any of the Islas are. Um, but it's still got that like that sweeter kind of profile that a Highland has. Um, so I'm going to take a couple sips of this delicious magic while you talk about your next pairing. Speaking speaking Tobin, it's uh you know it's I think it's really refined when you talk about peated scotches. Yeah. It's peated, you know, like you said, but it really is refined and it's a little subdued and rounded out and really accessible. Like I think that would be a really good start for someone interested in a little bit more of a smoky scotch. Yeah, if you know, if you ever had unpeated scotches like Highlands and Spacesides yeah. um and you want to get into peated um you probably don't want to just jump into Laphroaig. I mean, for me, Laphroaig was the first <laughs> scotch that I drank that was like, wow, that's really good. Um, yeah, same for me. For a lot of people who try Laphroaig and they've never had a scotch before, they just say, that's disgusting. I, I hate scotch. Um, and the same thing goes for people who are already experienced with scotch but have never had something with peat in it. You can taste it and say, that's disgusting. I hate peat. Um, but even though Laphroaig is kind of on the milder side, as far as Islas go, um, it's still very, very intense. Yeah, it's and, definitely in uh, your face. This is a great way of working up to it. And I'll hold up the glass so you all can see it there. Uh, I love the color of this whiskey. It's like it's like gold, like bronze, or uh, brass, rather. And, you know, going back to your famous catchphrase, something like Laphroaig is basically a tire fire with iodine. Yeah, it's got all of these Which flavors. sounds horrible, but it's really cool. Yeah, but... Um, if you if you're not used to it, it's very very intimidating to your palate. Uh, it would be like yeah. if the first time you ever smoked a cigar, you smoked a KFC. Um, just because you don't like KFC doesn't mean you don't like cigars, and just because you don't like KFC the first time you smoke it doesn't mean that you will hate it. Um, but it's so aggressive that yeah. it's probably going to shock you at first. Um, which is kind of what Laphroaig does, even to people who eventually like Laphroaig. Um, and Jose wants to know if it's closer to Cowila. Um, it's closer mm. to Cowila than it is to Laphroaig, um, but Cowila is still very aggressive compared to yeah. Oban. Oban's a very, very smooth, refined amount of uh, peat. But I'm going to get to drinking while while Dennis talks about his yeah. next pairing. So I've never had this beer before. This is the first time for me. Um, it's interesting. Uh from Terrapin. Ooh. So, Muhu, which is a chocolate milk stout. And it's kind of cool. It's, it's interesting to me that they wrote uh, on the bottom, it says malt beverage with natural flavors, which is... Um, I know. used to know. I don't remember exactly what it means. I know there's a specific reason they yes. aren't allowed to call it beer. I don't remember why. Yeah. I, I can't remember it either. I know there's a, there's a reason for it. Um, it looks, you know, pretty much... It's what a stout looks like, right? What would you would expect yep. minus the head because I poured it about 30 minutes ago. But on the nose, tons of vanilla. It, it's not, you know, they call it a, uh, a muhu. You would think yuhu, right? Oh, of course. And the, the chocolate comes out like crazy, and there's a reason for that. And it's, um, I don't want to miscall it. So Olive and Sinclair Chocolate Company provided the nibs for for this beer. What chocolate and company? Olive and Sinclair. No, I'm not familiar and with them. I've, it's not Madison chocolatiers that make, you know, um, Carolina Reaper white chocolate, but it's really nice. It's, it's a, if you close your eyes, you don't think about it. You close your eyes and you just taste it. It tastes pretty much like a yuhu, but a little bit more water. So not as thick. 
But the finish on it is all chocolate, and it's crazy. It's such a weird thing because you never expect a beer to taste so close to what the name, you know, indicates. Yeah. A lot of times we have, like, toasted marshmallow IPA and tastes nothing like marshmallow. It tastes just like like an IPA. Yeah, Uh, a lot of times they're talking about the ingredients that are in it, not necessarily how it tastes. Um, I get that a lot with peanut butter stouts. I feel like a lot of peanut butter stouts don't have any peanutty kind of peanut butter flavor. But they have peanuts in them, so they can call it a peanut butter stout. They're not lying to you. Um, but oh, man. You, a lot you of need to have Duclaw. Duclaw makes a phenomenal peanut butter stout that tastes like peanut butter. It's like peanut butter water, basically. I, I got one recently, actually, that I, I'll feature on, a, on an upcoming show. I just didn't think it was the right beer for this one. Man, this beer, for where the cigar is at, um, I would take probably halfway, you know, halfway through the cigar. And it's warming up. A lot of those vanilla notes are coming out. A lot of the toffee's coming out. So the sweetness is still there. And as the body builds for the cigar, the the stout just kind of plays off of that. And it's a really nice balance. I think this is an awesome pairing. I'm really curious what your last pairing is, if, if your second one is the stout. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to finding out. It's very special. Um, so the Oban, I, I'm in love with this whiskey. I had a glass last night, or no, night before last. Um, just to kind of prepare my palate, and I love it so much. It's uh, you smell it, and it's got like a light citrusy kind of fruity note, but then you get a little bit of that like briny salt water and a little bit of peat smoke, but not very much. And then you taste it, and it's got like this very dry, not too sweet, um, but not completely not completely dry. You get a little bit of like honey on the palate. And then you taste that oak and the, the peat on the kind of finish. It's the thing that I always talk about with this one is that you don't nec- you don't really taste much peat on the palate. Once you swallow, the peat just kind of appears. Um, I love it. You know, I'm gonna have to this. put you on the spot. That okay. uh, that glass you're drinking out of. Mm-hmm. You got to tell us more about that glass because I've been I've been peeping it for a while now and it it looks okay. awesome. Oh, I can absolutely do that. Um, so I, I've had these glasses longer than any other glass where I've ever owned in my life because I'm, I'm really bad at like my wife and I both actually, um, are really bad at like swinging elbows around and stuff in the kitchen and you know, (laughs) a glass just gets knocked over, it hits the granite and boom, it's done. Um, but these, I've had them for, I think about 10 years now, I think 2007, I got in on a group buy with a bunch of cigar guys. So they cost like four bucks each or something like that. Um, uh, this is, you won't be able to read it. I don't think, yeah, it's never going to focus on that. Uh, it's etched on the bottom, which maybe it'll focus on that. No, this is called the Glen Cairn glass. Uh, this is the official glass of Scotland for scotch. Um, it was, it's, it's really interesting because it wasn't actually, as far as I know, I don't think it was developed by a glassware company. Uh, it was developed by somebody who was in the whiskey industry and wanted to start, wanted to create the best whiskey glass. And they've got a couple different ones now. They've got like a, uh, I think they've got a bourbon glass that's a little bigger and wider. Um, they've got some really nice ones that are the same shape as this on the inside, but they're a little bit thicker because they've got like their etched crystal. You know, that that really fancy, nice cut crystal look um, that your grandparents had on their glassware. Uh, you can get a set of those with these. You can get them in like this cool little leather box that's got foam so you can travel with them. But this is 
the Glen Cairn glass, it's in my opinion, if you're drinking whiskey out of any other glass, you're doing it wrong. Um, this to me is, is the absolute best whiskey glass that's ever been made. Um, it's like the shape of it is intended to like help you nose it without dissipating the smell, the aromas too much. Um, which I don't know if that's true or not, but it definitely, uh, I don't know. It definitely enhances the experience. I'll say that. Um, and like Jose said, it does wonders for single malts. Like until I got this class, I was, I was on the fence about actually buying them for a long time. And then when somebody set up a group buy for them on this cigar website that I used to be on, they kept talking about how much of a difference it makes. And I was like, I don't know. And then I, after I got them, I decided to just try it and see how it was. And after I got them, I was like, wow, it makes such a big difference. You, you don't realize what a big difference it makes not drinking out of the, uh, like a tumbler. Like you're yeah. like, that's what I always drank whiskey out of. I thought that was the appropriate glassware for a whiskey, but it's kind of like how, um, like with a barrel aged Imperial stout, if you're drinking out of a pint glass, it's going to taste good. It's going to smell good. But if you're drinking out of a tulip glass, that's only yeah. half full and you've got that kind of air gap, um, it somehow, like, I don't understand the exact science of it, but somehow it makes a difference. I know it has to do with the, uh, the air coming or the vapors coming straight up off and leaving the glass and kind of confining them by having a sort of funnel shape towards the top. Um, but as you'll see in a moment, I've got a beer glass special too. Um, I, I'm a big believer now in specialty glassware because I think it does not only kind of enhance the experience part, it actually enhances uh, your, your tasting and yeah. smelling of the, the beverage. Yeah. The spirit, I'm, I'm the, the same beer. way. Um, I think I finished talking about the open. I don't remember. I I didn't talk about how well it goes with the cigar. I think that it definitely brings it. It mutes a little bit of the sweetness, which I like, and it brings out some of the drier, spicier, oakier flavors in the cigar. Yeah, yeah. I definitely get a little more of that dry pepper spice, um, almost a red pepper kind of like um, oh, cayenne wow. spice, okay. and then it leaves a, a black pepper on the palate and. Um, I don't know. I feel like I can taste the Corojo a little bit more. You know that that kind of sparkly, effervescent yes. kind of flavor yes. that you get from Corojo? I feel it like I can very taste sparkly. that a little bit more. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I don't know where that word even came from. I don't think I've ever used that word to talk about a cigar, but that's how it feels. Like <laughs> I, I just came up with that in my head. Um, I've been watching this whiskey show where they've been talking a lot about like how people think you're insane for coming up with tasting notes. And also oh, yeah, it's been a topic on Facebook. Um, as it always is. Uh, and they talked very specifically about how your, I don't know, left brain, right brain. I think they said your right brain interprets the flavors and uh, aromas, but it can't identify them or put a name on them. And so it interprets them as a feeling. And then your left brain has to figure out how to describe that. And that's the thing that comes along with like reviewing anything that has a flavor or a, uh, smell is you have to figure out ways to convert that unexplainable feeling yeah. into words. Um, and then you come up with stuff like sparkly Corojo. So, um, 
with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> this show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars? Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor. Make sure you set it and forget it today. And we're back. Uh, we're here on sharing our pairings, smoking the Camacho Nicaraguan Barrel Age. Gorgeous band. Yeah, I, I just like I was saying before, I really like the band, how they've it's got very that clean. text there. And then on the other side, they've got some like words about it. Um, and I didn't mention it on the show. I forgot to mention it. So... Initially, when I typed the description for this episode, I said it was the second in the series, and then I changed it to the second regular production in the series. So, as most people probably know, they came out with the Camacho American Barrel Age, uh, which was kind of a similar blend to this, though definitely not an identical blend, um, that was had filler leaves that were aged in American bourbon barrels. Then, um, and an interesting commonality between all three of these is the bourbon barrel. Um, so the second in the series was actually the uh, Cigar Dojo came out with their, um, what did they call it? The Stout Barrel Age. So that one was actually aged in barrels that previously held 1050 barrel aged. Um, and of course, before that, they held bourbon. So all three of them use bourbon barrels um, with the Nicaraguan and the Stout. It's just there was a, a different thing in that barrel in between the bourbon and the cigar. And the uh, the stout barrel aged is actually a completely different uh, a completely different blend because it's based on the Camacho Triple Maduro. Yeah. And I'm gonna move on to my last pairing. Um, so this one I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I picked it. Um, it is a beer in a very very large bottle. And if you'll focus there for me, this is Lagunitas Saketumi. Um, so this is part of their 2017 one-hitter series. One-hitter is basically um, where they make a beer that isn't coming back. Um, Lagunitas, of course, was founded in uh, 1993 in Lagunitas, California. And I just learned today, after doing a little bit of research to take notes on, they were only in Lagunitas for a year. And then they outgrew the facility and moved to Petaluma, where they are now. Oh, wow. Okay. Um I didn't realize that they were named Lagunitas because they were there. I thought that's just what they decided to call it because um, they, I don't know, maybe one of them grew up there or something. I didn't know there was or, that they actually were there uh, when they started. Um, and in 2017, they were fully acquired by Heineken, as many people probably know, um, which, I mean, can, can be seen as a good thing or a bad thing. It always feels like selling out is the bad thing, but at the same time, it when companies sell to a bigger company, it gives them more resources yes. to do what they want to do and do what they need to do to be successful. Um, the difference is whether that parent company is going to choke them out or let them thrive and just give them the resources they need. And so far, Lagunitas has been doing really good. Uh, I missed out on the Willardized this year, but I've been hearing fantastic things about that. It's, I had it, so I actually had it earlier today. Um, man, it's really? phenomenal. It's man. phenomenal. It's really, I, I think really, I missed really the good. boat on that one. I've been looking everywhere for it and everybody's out. Um, 
So Sakatumi, to talk about Sakatumi a little bit. Uh, first of all, it comes in an enormous one quart, <laughs> thirty-two ounce bottle. I mean, this is not a regular beer bottle. This almost whole, the forty. I mean, it's almost the same amount of liquid as this open bottle was. It's enormous. Um, but the thing that makes this special is they made a pale ale using sake yeast and rice. Um, so it should have, I don't know, maybe a slightly different flavor. I haven't tasted it enough. Um, with the other two, I, I kind of have mental notes on what they taste like. And this one, I, I have no idea what this is going to taste like. So while I, yes, Jose, I have, well, no, Jose. Um, he, he says, have you tried the Willardize Stout? Um, I ha- I have not. I wish I could. I want it so bad. Um, but <laughs> everybody's sold out. Um, every Everybody in Portland seems to be sold out. I talked to one guy who said the distributor sold out in an hour. So all of the stores had the all of it within an hour. It had been allocated to all of the stores. Um, and I've checked every store that I can think of, and they're all fresh out. Uh, most of them sold out within a day. So I, I think I'm like three weeks too late at this point. But I've you know been looking what? I might, two- I might have to get you a crowler tomorrow or after tomorrow. If you tomorrow can, I would be very, very <laughs> uh, thankful. Um, but I'm going to take a couple sips of this Sakatumi and try to yeah. figure it out. So an interesting point, you mentioned Lagunitas being bought out. Um, if you guys remember, Ballast Point was also bought out. Yeah. And, you know, there's they're, they're still producing really awesome stuff. Still the same kind of ballast point quality, still great beer. So, you know, like you said, it's really if they support the cause, if they support the uh, the ideas of the original brewery and let them thrive, then it's going to be great. A lot of people kind of uh, immediately jump on and say, oh, it's, it's not good. They're selling out. But it depends on the relationship between the two. Yeah. Um, selling out isn't always a bad thing. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to is that – it seem it always seems like a bad thing, but if you could start a business and put all of your time and money into it for 25 years, yeah, and then make 50 million dollars in one shot, I mean that's that's the dream when you start a business is to make 50 million dollars, and if you get bought for 200 million dollars and your cut is 50 million, um, I mean that's the American dream. That's what Rob always says. That's the American dream. That's right. Um, you know, if somebody and, cares about your product enough to put that kind of money behind it, yeah, that means you're doing something right. Some companies fall apart because the parent company wants them to do things that aren't within their wheelhouse or, or what people think that they should do. Um, or uh, as a lot of people fear, like I feel like, in my opinion, the best example is Goose Island because they're the best case and the worst case, I think. Yeah. Um, I think all of the regular production beers are worse than they were when they were independent um, and, and just less interesting. They have a, a bunch of standard, like a standard IPA, a standard double IPA, a standard Pilsner. Um, they have all your standards, but then they have Bourbon County, which is still one of the most sought after beers it's in the phenomenal. world. Yeah. And it's phenomenal every time. Um, so it's like they, on one hand, they, and also another thing about, bourbon county that wouldn't have happened is you can get it now before they got acquired like half the country didn't even know goose island existed i I should say half the hardcore craft beer guys didn't even know they existed and the other half would be clamoring the day it came out and i can still go by 2016 right now i mean it's readily available for the most part i mean 
it's it's not readily available everywhere um but it's not something you have to hunt or wait in line for anymore as long as you get it within the first couple days uh you should be able to get it if you try hard enough um and and that's because they've they've got that investment from ab imbev but i'm gonna i'm still trying to figure this thing out so did you talk about your last pairing? You did not. No, did you? no okay. I'm about to get into it. So my last pairing is a little bit special to me. It uh, comes from my first and recent trip to Cuba. And it is the none other than Havana Club Selection de Maestros, Ooh. which is just Ooh, baby. amazing. And you know what? I'm not a rum guy. I was never really a rum guy until Florida Kanye came out into you know my, my palate. And... Um, Man, I have to say, this stuff is solid. Mm-hmm. Truly, truly solid rum. And I love the fact that it's, you know, if you look at the color of it, it's dark. It's It's got that whiskey. It's got that sweetness. It's got the vanilla and toffee. All those awesome elements that I've always loved from whiskeys that now translate to a rum. And I purposely left it for my last pairing because I figured as the cigar, you know, got a little bit stronger, the flavors developed a little bit. This would be a good stand-up to uh, to those flavors. Yeah. So this Sakatumi, I didn't hold it up, so I'm I'm using as I talked about my specialized beer glass. Um, for anybody wondering, this is a Spiegelau glass. I talked like I think it was three months ago that I I talked a little bit about it, and I talked about how, like I said before, me and mostly my wife destroy glasses, and these glasses, as you can kind of see there, are razor thin. I mean, the the glass on this is thinner than the glass on the Glencairn glass. Um, and they say that it's crystal. And to their credit, they actually hold up pretty well. Like, I've had it sitting there and fall over and bounce on this part right here. No damage. But um, that being said, between my wife and I, we've destroyed five of these within <laughs> about the last three years. So I bought one, I bought a single one, and I was like, this thing's amazing. I love it. And then she broke it doing dishes or something. I think she knocked it off of the counter or something like that. Um, so she bought me two as a gift. Um, she actually bought me one and then the Spiegelau set that came with a couple of their different specialized ones. So I had two. Um, and then I broke one of those and she broke the other one. And so she bought me a four-pack of them. I believe it was last year or the year before for Christmas. Um, and then my son knocked one over and broke it. And then she broke one in the sink again. And then I told the story about how all of that happened. And I was down to two glasses. And I walked into the house. I told the story on sharing our pairings. I walked into the house that night holding my laptop and my, you know, my couple of beer cans and stuff like that. And I dropped the glass going (laughs) into the house. (laughs) <laughs> and uh so now i'm down to one again so i guess i gotta i gotta re-up on on the speed loud glasses but talking about the beer it's actually really interesting um so i can understand so i've seen it called a double ipa because i i forgot to mention this does clock in at 32 ounces of nine percent abv and it won't focus there because my face that's a good is night right there yeah um this is the kind of thing i don't know if i could drink one of these by myself in one night um, I mean, I could, but I, I would not have a great morning. Um, it's, I can understand why they called it an ale and not a, an IPA or a pale ale, because it doesn't really qualify as any of those. Um, 
it's got enough hops to be an IPA, but it's got too much kind of sweetness balancing that out. And it's got enough alcohol to be a double IPA, but it doesn't really have enough hops. Um, so I, I think a, an ale is the right word. I mean, I might call it a pale ale. But what do you feel about the the yeast? So using it, the sake yeast for it, is it more effervescent? Not really. It's about the same effervescence. You can see the the head is a little more um, persistent okay. than it usually would be. Like, I mean, I poured this a while ago, and it's still got a head. And you can see every time I kind of hit the glass a little bit there, it foams up a little bit. I'm bringing it out of camera. So every time I move it around, it gets a little bit more, um, which is very abnormal. I've never seen something that kind of foams up every time it moves around the glass. Yeah, but on the palate, yeah, on the palate, it doesn't have that much effervescence. Okay. Um, it's got kind of a sweet and sour thing going on. Like there's definitely a little bit of sourness. I don't know if it's from the rice or from the yeast. I would guess it's from the yeast. It reminds me of a sake bomb. Oh, wow. Okay. Just with really, really good beer. Like, it reminds me of a sake bomb, but also in the bomb was, like, hops and a little bit more sweetness for the beer. Um, it's really different. And you can you can really smell the rice, like, and the sake yeast on the nose. Uh, we actually have, um, I don't think I've had any of their sakes on the show before. But we actually have a local sake distillery or brewery here. They don't distill, they brew. Um, and it remind it definitely reminds me of the smell in the sake brewery. Okay. It's kind of like a it's one of those things that sounds horrible. If you've ever left <laughs> rice sitting out overnight and it like it it turns to mush and you're like, Man, I wish I had thrown that Yeah, and you're like, I wish I had thrown that away last night. Um uh, it it's got a little bit of that smell. Um I'm really curious about the rice because I know for sake, they actually have a mold. It's this green mold yeah. that they they kind of put it in a salt shaker and they they lay the rice out on this in this big flat boat, they call it. And then they shake this green stuff over it. And I'm wondering if that's the method that they use to uh, sprout the rice a little bit or to to start the fermentation of the rice because I can almost taste that kind of smell that I remember from the sake brewery. Um, but either way, it doesn't go great with the cigar. That's the unfortunate part. Uh, it, it, it's okay, okay with the cigar, but I don't think it's great. And Jose says he broke one of the Spiegelau stout glasses. I mean, they're razor thin, man. You can't not break. <laughs> How, how's the uh, selection of maestros going with this? I, f I feel like it would go pretty well. You know, um, I feel like it's a little bit too punchy for the cigar. It's, it's so strange for me to say that, but because it is a blend, it has a very strong character of its own. It and, really does. You know, I, I want to say it's almost a little bit overpowering for the cigar. Hmm. I'm leaning a lot more toward the, the chocolate stout. As far as a, like, you know, start to finish pairing, I think the chocolate stout would be more appropriate. Well, we'll go back through our pairings. Um, I, I almost forgot to take our last break here because we were talking about sake yeast and mold. All kinds uh, of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this portion is brought to you by Drew Estate. Uh, smoke some delicious Drew Estate cigars. Uh, we recently rated them on our top 25. They were the, uh, number one on Cigar Dojo's top 25. Um, they rated the Undercrown Sungrown number one. 
In my opinion, the Pappy beats out the Sungrown a little bit, but yeah. I mean, that's th- different palettes. I mean, uh, everybody's palette is kind of unique. And go on Safari, of course, get stuff painted like my yeah. headphones. Man, I get jealous every time I see like uh, if you're if if you're out there and you're friends with Jesse on Facebook, Jesse Flores. He's the guy that runs Subculture Studios. He's in charge of all this stuff that gets painted. Uh, he's constantly posting pictures of stuff they paint. Amazing stuff. It's incredible. They just did some pops actually. Uh, this week they did a couple of oh, pops. Yeah, yeah, they did a couple of custom pops. Of, yeah, Willie uh, was one of them. It was Willie, JD, J, JD of course. Uh, Walkin' Chin was in there. Yeah, Jess had a, a skinny Jesse one, and there was one more. I think it was uh, I don't remember who it was. There was one more. I can picture him in my head, but I can't remember his name. Matty Rock. It was Matty Rock. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. They they do some really cool stuff, and they will take any. If you go on Safari. Bring the most challenging thing you can think of to paint. Yeah, um, that's my do it. my goal for you because they will do it and it'll be awesome. Uh, I've never seen somebody disappointed by what they painted. I've seen people disappointed by like free stuff that was already painted because it's not exactly what they wanted. But if you give them something, you tell them what to paint on it, um, they will exceed your expectations every time. All right, so now back to the pairings. Um, I'm trying to keep my cigar lit. I've been talking a lot. And just like that, it went out. It went out while we were talking you know, about. It. I wish I could keep my cigar going even more. I'm, I'm like, you know, I have, I have just a little bit left. I, you know, I'm trying to smoke slower. I've been powering through all my cigars, and on a couple of shows, I've actually finished the cigar halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it, but it's, it's such a good stick, really. It's the flavors stay from the, from the beginning to basically the end. They're consistent, and that's, that's always important with any cigar. You want the consistency. You want a good burn. You want a cigar that will give you flavor, you know, for your entire experience. Yeah. And this one absolutely hits the nail on the head with that. Yeah. Um, this cigar is just really good. It's got that, like I talked about, it's got that dry Corojo sparkly spice. And it's got the, like, there's some roasted peanut, I would say. Maybe almond, maybe roasted almond. Maybe yeah, I mean, you know what? Maybe like, almond toward maybe the walnut. end. Yeah. Walnuts. That's what it is. Walnuts. Some kind of nutty thing going like on. Like roasted walnuts. Um, I'm not getting the espresso that I did before. Um, it may be the pairings, but the sweetness has dropped off. I'm wondering if this, like, I'm I'm getting down to the last third here. I'm wondering if the final third is going to go better with the Florida Kanye than the first third did. Cause I felt like that sweetness was overpowering and it's lost a lot of that sweetness. Um, a, a really interesting thing about this one is the American barrel age. When you smoke that cigar, you taste bourbon. Yep. When I smoke this cigar, it's very noticeable. um, if, if I smoke this blind, I'm not sure I would even identify that it was barrel age, um, particularly past the first third. Uh, in the first third, there's definitely a little bit of that molasses kind of sweetness, um, and you taste the the oakiness a little bit. And I'm still getting oakiness, but I'm not getting any of that uh, that like barrel char or like vanilla kind of bur- barrel aged flavor. Um, it's it's interesting because I I feel like they went a lot lighter with the barrel aging than they yeah, did in the first. It's a lot it's a lot gentler, I think, and uh, and yeah. you know what. The rum barrel, I think, plays into that as well. 
where the, the flavors are a lot more subtle. It's not yeah. as punchy as, let's say, the, the American Barrel Age, which is really in your face, really dry, very clearly oak right there for you. Yeah, that that's a good point because um, uh, just as an example, I have no idea how old the, the barrels for the American Barrel Age were, but just as an example, if they were four-year-old bourbon barrels, um, theoretically, these could be the same barrels, except they also had rum pulling all that flavor out. Yeah. For 25 years. Um, so it, it does make sense that you get less of the flavor. Uh, so actually, now that now that we've talked about that, I'm curious whether it was an intentional choice or it was just the nature of aging something in a second-use or third-use rum barrel. Yeah, it's a good point. Not sure. But either way, it's a good cigar. I'm going to go back to the Florida Kanye here and see how it pairs. I have to say I'm really digging this chocolate milk stuff. It's... It's amazing that after after trying the Oban and the Sakatumi and smoking the cigar a little bit, the Florida Kanye tastes sweeter than any Florida Kanye I've ever had in my life. Oh wow! It makes it, <laughs> it makes it very sweet, and I think part of that is that the the sweetness in the cigar has been slowly diminishing. Um, so your palate kind of acclimates to that. Interesting. Okay. I'm just interested to see how pairing them goes now. Sorry for the dead air. Uh, we're, I'm just trying to figure out this Florida Kanye. I gotta say these these cocoa nibs from this uh, terrapin terrapin chocolate milk stout is it's so pronounced as it's warmed up. It's really pronounced in your face, like you're you it, it really tastes like you're chewing on a piece of chocolate. <laughs> so for the in Florida all the best Kanye, ways, the the sweetness of the Florida Kanye completely eliminates that sparkly Corojo that I was talking about. I hate calling it sparkly, but I feel like Dennis and I were talking about it during the break. That's kind of the best <laughs> yeah. term for it. You get that. Yeah. Um, Dennis pointed out, uh, which I think is perfect, is like that Pop Rocks feeling on your tongue. That's the kind of flavor that Corojo gives me, uh, which I, I absolutely love it. And it's like that mixed with black pepper and like some kind of dark molasses sugary sweetness. And the problem is the sweetness of the Florida Kanye eliminates all of those elements. So the cigar just tastes dry and spicy. Uh, let's see about the open. And Jose said he's going to pick up some open. I highly recommend it. It's not cheap. Yeah. But. Well worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well worth it. Especially for a. Um, I think I pay around 75 bucks for a bottle. Um, and for a 14 year old scotch, that's still a pretty good deal. Um and it, it's got a character that no other scotch has. That's the really Im- important thing about Oban, is that it's melding a couple of different styles together. Uh, and I think it's really successful in doing that. And after drinking the Oban, it brings back that like almost effervescence, that spice, that sweetness from the Corojo. Um, I'm, in, I'm enjoying this cigar more than I remember enjoying it before. I think it might be the, uh, the pairings. And now, lastly, I'm going to taste the Sakatumi before I give anybody a rating. It really is a phenomenal cigar, honestly. It's um, uh, for me the first thing that comes to mind is accessible. Yeah. Regardless of what you're into, you can pick this up if you're not into really strong stuff. If you're, or if you really are into strong stuff, you can still pick this up and enjoy it. It's just an easy smoke. Yeah, I think it's got a rich enough flavor that even somebody who really only smokes full-bodied cigars would like it. And I mean, I would call this medium body. It's definitely, definitely. It's way more mild than almost anything else in the Camacho range. Um, Camacho 
before they were acquired by Davidoff, they were kind of always known for strength, raw strength, that super powerful, super strong Corojo. And I feel like with this cigar, I mean, I mean, they've got a Connecticut, of course, um, which came after the acquisition, I believe. I'm almost certain that the Connecticut came after the acquisition. It must have, yeah. Um, but this kind of brings Camacho back a couple steps as far as strength. Um, it doesn't have that raw strength I'm used to in Camacho, but it's still got just as much flavor, if that makes sense, um, and uh, just as much body. It's got like that rich, chewy smoke that is packed with flavor, but it doesn't. Ha- it's not going to knock anybody out. So I feel yeah. like a somebody who's smoked three cigars in their life could pick this up and enjoy it. And they might they might not be able to identify any rum notes, but they're going to enjoy that kind of sweetness at the beginning, and then as it progresses, that spice that builds up a little bit. And to their credit, you know, even at this point, I'm I, the, wow. the last little nub. I'm smoking it, and it's really nice. It's not bitter. It's not what you would expect from, you know, the last half inch of a cigar. Um, I just want to throw Dennis under the bus and say I lit my cigar before him. <laughs> he did. This is true. You rage, I, homie. I can't help it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. But you know what? As as much as I rage, that, even, that speaks even more volume about the cigar because – I just, you know, go through them so quick. If a cigar can hold up to my smoking speed, you know it's good. Yeah, that's actually a good point because a lot of cigars, um, even in the first third, if you smoke it too fast, it will punish you. Um, yes. And as you get further into the cigar, the likelihood of that is is higher. Um, so the fact that you can get down there raging on it is actually kind of impressive. And Jose says they did make a Connecticut before they were acquired, and it's supposedly still there. Oh, they did? Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, Very cool. Either either way, this this has the character of the stronger Camachos while not having the body or the strength that those stronger Camachos have. All right. I, I have to give these ratings. So the Florida Cana, the Florida Cana tastes amazing, and... It does show some similarity with the Camacho, but I think they're too close. Uh, it's it's matching too much sweetness with too much sweetness at the beginning, and then at the end, the sweetness is covering up the other flavors in there. And they're, this is one of those things where they're, fa- they're fantastic in their own right, uh, but the flavors don't play well together. So I'm going to give that one a 87. What about your first pairing, Dennis? You know what? My, my first pairing sits at probably, uh, I'd give it a solid 90. You know, it, it, it fit really well with the first third of the cigar. Um, didn't overpower the flavors. So I, th- I think it's it's pretty comfortable at, at 90. Um, and the Oban, I'm going to give a uh, a 92 to that pairing, the Oban and the, and the Nicaraguan Barrel Age. They are different flavors but it's kind of a contrasting pairing that works in both both of their favor i get a little more of the lemon and a little more of the smoke from the oven uh but it brings out a little more of the sweetness and that uh that corojo flavor in the cigar that sparkly corojo (laughs) that's gonna be my (laughs) new catchphrase um but it it really brings out a little more of the flavors and you really get more depth of flavor to the cigar when I'm pairing it with the open. I'm so yeah, 90, did I say 92? 92. Yeah. I think 92 is about right. 
My second pairing is, honestly, I'd say because of the cocoa, it's 93-94, man. It's solid. The cocoa I, comes I out in such a beautiful way. I could see really well with this cigar. Yes. I should have done something chocolate. It, it balances out all the flavors of the, gar- of the cigar from the beginning to the end in a way that is you don't even have to think about it. You just drink it, you smoke it, and it fits perfectly. And for the Sakatumi, I think it works better as a... Uh, so we, we talk a lot about uh, contrasting and complementary pairings. I think this is more of a palate cleansing pairing. The The pairing doesn't go together that well. They don't play off of each other that well. But the flavors in the beer actually kind of cleanse your palate a little, little bit. Um, so I end up tasting more of the cigar than I do with either of the others. But it's it's one-sidedly in the cigar's favor. Uh, the cigar doesn't make the beer better at all, so I'm going to give that one an 85. Okay. Yeah, my, my last pairing actually is not far from that. I'm, I'm probably about 86, 87 on the uh, the rum. A little bit too strong. I mean, it's a great rum. Unfortunately, it doesn't fit well with the cigar. It overpowers every flavor of the cigar, especially toward the end. Jose, Jose says that sparkly is to trip as cream is to rob. Because cre- Rob's thing yeah, was always creamy. Yeah. Uh, but sparkly again uh like we were talking about during the break sparkly is a very specific flavor that i only get from corojo and it's hard to describe but it's like um when when you're smoking something from that's agonorsa tobacco like you get that magic on your tongue that's what i'm talking about with the sparkly it's like it almost tastes like a uh like an effervescence of like champagne effervescence without any of the flavor like, it just kind of, I don't know, it tingles. It's, it does. It really does. It's very strange to explain. Like, as De- as I said, Dennis said before, uh, it's kind of like Pop Rocks, where you've got that that dancing on your tongue kind of flavor. You know what it is? It's it's a medium rare, really thick steak with uh, sea salt on the top. Like, when you get the steak you flavor go. and you there get you the go. salt flavor, it's right there. And it's that really coarse, flaked sea salt. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's exactly what it's like. It's it's very hard to describe, um, but it's a flavor I always seem to get from Corojo. All right, and that brings us to the to the end of the show. Chico just came back. He had to take care of an emergency call at work. Chico, I'm sorry we missed you. Um, we're we're wrapping up here, but you can catch it on the replay or on the YouTube or on the podcast. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for commenting. Uh, again, I'm gonna say it if. If you have, if you're listening on the podcast, you have any comments, questions, anything like that, email me trip with two P's, T R I P P, at cigarfederation.com. Or if you're watching on YouTube, uh, leave us a comment, give us a like, give us a subscribe. Uh, we appreciate you guys watching. We appreciate everybody commenting. Um, and as always, we appreciate everybody out there watching on the or listening on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Uh, you guys are out there doing things we're not built to do, uh, and we can't thank you enough. Everybody have a great week. We'll be back tomorrow with David Blanco from Blanco Cigars. Uh, Bring your questions. He'll be ready to answer them. We want you to drink better, but we want you to drink less. 